Crosspoint Community Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. So a few weeks ago, I went in uh, over two days, I did an off-road 4x4 clinic with my truck, and um, I, like to, I like to do some off-roading, and um, I, I'm convinced that anything that I teach myself, I'm probably doing wrong on a number of levels, and so I wanted to go do this kind of beginner's off-roading course clinic uh, because I wanted to see where I was doing things wrong and how I could do those things better. And uh, so went down and it was over kind of in the Mojave Desert. And uh, one day, the first day, part of the day was, was in, in kind of a classroom setting. That, and then the rest of the half day was out kind of practicing skills. And then the second day, we, we met at a Jawbone Canyon Visitor Center and... Um, at about eight o'clock in the morning and then we're out on kind of a trail until about four o'clock. And uh, the instructor, uh, Russell, we all had radios and he would tell us to stop every so often and we would stop and, and then we would all get out and he would show us an obstacle and talk a little bit about how we approach it and all of those kinds of things. And, and um, so it was really interesting because we came to this one spot in the, in the trail and we're kind of going downhill a little bit in and there was just all of these rocks and it was, it was kind of a, a really big rock on one side and then kind of uh, in the middle, a big rock and, and rocks that were kind of coming out of that. On the other side, there was a rock that was higher and on the other side, there was about a four, four five foot kind of drop to the, to the ground and just about enough room to get a vehicle, not a, probably not a full-size pickup, but maybe a, a smaller pickup or a Jeep down on this, but, but, it, but it took pretty careful tire placement, and there were some rocks that you had to actually go over on, on that kind of obstacle. And so one of the things that, that Russell had, had talked to us about the day before was that, that one of the, the, the reasons you have another person with you when you're overlanding or off-roading is that you, you wanna have a spotter, a person who goes down in front of you and, and, and tells you where, where you need to go and has a number of signs and verbal commands to help you get the right tire placement and, and knows how fast or slow you need to go or, or, or which way you need to move your tires. And, and, and so one of the things he said was, he said, I want to spot you, but only if you want a spotter. He says, I want to because you're taking my, you know, you're taking my clinic and you're paying me and I want you to be successful. But he said, if you want me to spot you and I want to spot you, he said, I need you to say the words, I want you to spot me. And he said, when you tell me I want you to spot me, that means you are saying that you are going to listen to me and do everything I say. Otherwise, I don't want to spot you. And, and so it was, it was interesting because, because here, you know, and, and so of course I want him to spot me. I want to learn. And so, so, um, and so we, we started going. There's about, there about five vehicles with us, a couple Jeeps and, and a couple trucks. And, and so we started going down. So it was my turn. I started going down and, and, and it's interesting because, because I, I went down, you know, I looked at the obstacle and I saw it and then I got in the truck and I was back far enough I could see it. But as I got closer to the obstacle, it disappeared. And I couldn't see it anymore. But I saw Russ and he was giving me the, the indicators and showing me what to do and, and where, which, and so this means a half turn that way. This means a half turn that way. This means stop. 
or slow down and, and all, all those things. And so, and so, and, and so I'm there and, and, I, and I no longer have a visual of where I am, but, but you know how you're, you know, you're doing something, you can feel where you are, right? Your gut tells you where, right? You know, you kind of feel like you're somewhere. And so, so I was down there and he was, he was telling me like a half turn toward the driver's side, which is where the, the rock kind of dropped off. And in my mind and in, in, in like what I felt was, I felt like I was really close to the edge. And that if I did turn that way, that I would go off. And you know, I mean, if, if you fall off and you know, your truck falls and you roll, that's a full tank of gas. It'll blow in any minute. At least that's what the TV tells me. So, so I mean, so, I mean, I don't want to do that. And so I'm kind of there and I'm kind of thinking to myself, do I really want to turn that way? Because in my mind, I'm thinking, I know, I kind of have a gut feeling where I am. And I don't, I don't know that he's right. Isn't that interesting that that's how we think? Like somebody can have a clear view of everything and maybe we don't have that clear view, but we still feel like, no, my gut is right. I feel really strongly that I'm right in this moment. And what you're telling me, I just don't feel like that's going to help me. And, and so I, I did listen to Russ. So I turned my, turned my wheel that way. And it was, it was, it was really pretty, pretty awesome because, because I got all the way down to the point where my, finally I got, got my front end over and, and, and then my, my, the back of the truck, I was coming off of the last rock that, that my rear tires were up on. And instead of, instead of watching Russell, I thought to myself, I've made it. And I mean, this is the last thing. And so I kind of just let off the brake and rolled off the rock. And I heard this bam, and it hit the, 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 the hitch, which didn't do any damage, but it was a pretty loud noise. And R Russell was kind of like, did, did I give you a signal to, to go? <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> but I felt like I could. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. And it is, isn't it interesting that, that as we, as we kind of go through not just this, but like life in general, and when we see God telling us things that he says, this is what I want you to do. And sometimes they make sense to us. Sometimes they don't make sense. But sometimes God is leading us or tells us something. And we're kind of like, you know, but I, I feel like that's, I feel like I should do it this way. I don't know if you've experienced this, but but, but hopefully everybody's, you know, engaging in the Beatitudes every single day, maybe when you wake up. And, and I'm finding that, that every single day I run into some moment in my day after reading the Beatitudes that I run into a scenario that God has told me that I'm, I need to be a peacemaker, but I don't feel like that's the way to go in this particular situation. Because I know God says be a peacemaker, but in my gut, I feel like I don't need to do that right here. That's not the best course of action to be merciful or, or, or to be poor of spirit or, or, or any, anything like that. And, and the question is this, is do I trust God who's the spotter who actually sees everything that's going on or do I trust my gut because I have a, a fuzzy notion of what I'm entering into or I just have a strong feeling that this is what I need to do? Do I trust the spotter who actually sees the entire picture and only wants success for me? Or as the driver, do I trust the view from the truck? And so often we, we do that with God. God's so clear. And as I was out there, I was, it was just, it was just, it's just amazing how, how, how like you can be out somewhere and, and you experience something that has such 
a significant spiritual moment for you, whether you're you know, off-roading in your truck or on a bike ride with your buddies or whatever it is. But, 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 but it's amazing how God can reveal things to us. And it just, I just had this sense of, that's what I do. And, and as we are unpacking what it is to be intimate with Jesus, the things that God says, this will bring you depth of relationship with me that we need to recognize that he sees what will bring us intimacy with him. And so we're, we're talking, we're, we're looking, you know, the next couple months, in the last few weeks, we've been talking about intimacy with Jesus. And, and really, intimacy, as I, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, intimacy is best understood and present in the atmosphere of trust. Trust is going to open the doorway for our intimacy with Christ. It's interesting, as I was out there in, in my truck, even though I don't know Ro, Russ, Russell very well, and we didn't spend that much time together, I, I grew to trust him and what he's told me to do, and there was a depth of relationship that came there because I trusted him, and he came through for me. I did what he told me to do, not what I thought I should do. And, and, and so, Jesus, are we going to trust Jesus even when he tells us to do something that we feel like we might know better or have a better grasp on things, or even if we feel strongly? We tend to have an innate disability that we all share, and that's an inability to really trust. Because trust is hard. Trust is giving everything over to the spotter and not trusting the view from the truck. Because I'm the driver, I should know. But that's, that's what trust is. And so, you know, starting our day with the Beatitudes, one of the things that, that God is really worked in me is thinking even about the, the very first thing Jesus says in Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be poor in spirit is, is a heart posture of humility and it's a radical decision to recognize our lack without God and to humble ourselves enough to know that we can't survive on an attitude of self-sufficiency. It's, poor in spirit is trusting my spotter. Trusting what the Holy Spirit does, trusting God's word. I love the last couple of weeks with Travis and Kyle talking about intimacy pathway through meditating on the word of God. That's so essential. And that does make sense that we would, we would grow intimate with God through meditating on his word. But not all the things that God calls us to do make sense to us. So we have to trust. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter six. We'll be reading verses one through four. And uh, this is where Jesus continues his sermon. He goes up to the mountainside and he, he gathers his disciples and the crowds gather around and Jesus begins to preach and he begins with blessed are the poor in spirit and he goes through the Beatitudes and then he talks about things like you've heard it said, but I say to you. And then, and then he comes to this place and he says, in verse one of chapter six, he continues to speak to the crowd and he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
Jesus continues to preach and he says, beware, be careful about practicing your righteousness so that other people in the, in the desire and the goal to have other people see you. Now, notice he's talking about righteousness. And so the things that come after this statement about beware practicing your righteousness, he's talking about what it means to be righteous, what it means to live out the righteousness of Christ that he's put upon us. And so the things that he talks about are things that are the righteous things we are called to do, but we're not just called to do them out of obedience, we're called to do them because they have an impact and an effect on our lives. They do something in us. And so Jesus begins, he said, be, be careful, beware not to practice your righteousness in front of others so that they might be seen by you because when that happens, that is your reward. That's all you get. And, and, and then he begins to talk about giving. You see, giving is helpful to others externally. Like when, when you give, when you're generous, when I give, then it's helpful to whatever, whoever or whatever I've given to. But the core of giving is what it does internally. And you have to give with the right heart. You have to give with the right intention. You see, giving has an inward result of intimacy with God. I grew up in a, in a family that modeled generosity in giving. And, and, and it's, it's a great thing, it's a good thing. But for whatever reason, in, in my mind, I, I began to, to think of giving primarily as obedience, which isn't bad because God does call us to give. He's pretty specific about generosity. But I thought of it and kind of put it in a category primarily of obedience. And I think giving is obedience, but I think that is secondary to what giving is and the call to giving that God has on our lives, those who follow him. I believe giving is first and foremost about creating intimacy between myself and Jesus. And the good that giving does is secondary. And so really, the question for us is what goes on in my heart and my mind when I give? What's my intent? What, what am I doing? Why? See, giving is a critical part of actually knowing Jesus. No one would argue that, that reading God's word is not a significant part of knowing who God is, knowing Jesus. But as much as reading and meditating on the word is to grow us in intimacy we see with Jesus, so is giving. <laughs> Giving is just as much a pathway to intimacy with Jesus as meditating on God's word is. Jesus calls us to do that. God calls us to do this. And so when we elect not to give or participate in that way, in essence, we say, I don't wanna know Jesus as well as I could know him. Because I'm gonna eliminate giving and being generous out of, because I just don't feel like I can or I don't want to or I, I don't trust certain people with my money. And what I'm doing essentially is saying, I, I, I'm going to eliminate this avenue of depth and intimacy with Jesus Christ. And, and, and so we need to be careful. And that's why he says, beware, don't practice with the intent to be seen by others. That's not the point of giving. And so we ask, you know, what is the purpose of, of 
really doing anything righteous or good or, or helpful. Well, one of the reasons we can do good things is to impress people. That's, that's a normal thing, and it's not necessarily always a bad thing. When I was out in that four-wheel drive clinic, there was another guy who had my exact same pickup truck. And uh, I made sure that I positioned myself to be behind him every time we did an obstacle because I then could impress Russell with how good I, I, I overcame the obstacle because I watched what he did wrong. And that guy always did worse than me, so I did way better, so I was pretty impressive. So like my goal in that moment was to impress the people around me. Maybe it's to impress God, to get God's attention and say, God, look what I'm doing and look what all these other people aren't doing. I want God to notice me. Maybe it's to, to impress God or when we do something good or right, could it be that, that, that we do it to know God in a deeper and more intimate way, simply that? That that is something that we get from doing good. No one else in the world maybe will know about it. No one else will see it or observe it, but it's enough that God knows because my goal is to, to become more intimate and closer with God through what I'm doing. What if nobody saw the impressive things you did? What if nobody knew about the good that you've done? What if nobody knew about your opinion that was right except for God? Would that be enough? Looking at social media, I don't think it is enough. And sometimes I wonder if we live in a society that has taught us that we need to get credit for what we think and what we do or it's worthless. It's interesting that God says it becomes worthless when people do know. And, 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 so, and so he says, he, he says, keep in mind what, what Jesus says here at the end of verse one. And here, here's what he says. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. And I want you to remember, because Jesus comes back to this a couple times, and we'll hit this at the end of the passage, but what do you think Jesus is talking about this reward that you won't have from your Father in heaven when your intent is to be seen and be recognized by others? What might that reward be? Verse two, Jesus says, thus when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. It's interesting that as Jesus goes into this, he, he, he begins by simply saying, thus when you give, it is assumed by Jesus that if you follow him, you're giving. That it is a character, is something that characterizes you. He doesn't say if you give, he says when, therefore when you give. And in verse two, the giving context is in a gathered corporate context. He describes it in, in the streets or in the temple or the synagogue. In fact, the words that he uses and the, the language he uses to describe, he says, don't sound it out like a trumpet. And here's what's interesting. In the synagogues, in the hall where were the, there were the giving boxes, there were these boxes and, and leading to the boxes were these almost trumpet-like looking metal cones 
that were kind of like a funnel that, that were big up here and then they came down and then they ended up in the, in the, in the giving box. And, and so again, the, the currency of that day was all hard coinage. And so you could go into the to synagogue and you could take a handful of your coins and throw them into the, the, the funnel in a way that it would clang and make the most possible noise. And everyone would look when there's a larger clatter over there because they knew somebody was giving a lot. And so if you threw it in a way that it made a lot of noise, people would look and say, oh, look, that, that, oh, that guy, that woman, she's dead. They're, they're giving a lot. And, and, and so, so, so tossed the right way, they would echo throughout the hall. Jesus says, don't intentionally draw attention to your giving. I mean, you still can go and give, but, but don't do it in a way that you intentionally make a racket so that everyone can, can look and it's a spectacle. He says, don't do what the hypocrites do. And it's interesting because hypocrite in, in Greek and Roman culture, and Roman kind of took it from Greek culture, the hypocrites were the actors in the theater. They were those, a hypocrite was one who played something that they were not. They played someone else. And the hypocrite wasn't a bad thing in that moment, in, in the sense of the theater, because you know, that, those, were, those were the best actors. Those were those who would take on a role that wasn't them, but they took on a role and they played that role well. But the idea there is that they were wearing a mask. They were, they were presenting themselves as something or someone they were not. And Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites, a person who's actually one thing but acts like something else. The, the hypocrites, he says, those who give in a way to draw attention to themselves, acting like they're holy, righteous, they're a follower of Jesus, but they're really not. They're in it for their own glory and their own benefit. Jesus says, don't be like that. Don't wear that mask. It was interesting. There was a thing that happened to some actors in Greece those hypocrites, what would happen is sometimes they would be so into their character that they would lose themselves and forget who they were. And Jesus says, don't, don't do that. And it says, they've received their reward. Those who go and throw, throw the coins and make a big clatter and, and let everyone know that they're giving today. And he says, they've received their reward. So what's the reward that they receive? Well, they've received attention from other people. They've received some kind of relational connection with other people. Now, that doesn't mean it's always good because when you think about it, when you see someone maybe being generous or doing things like that, giving a lot, sometimes it can impress others, can't it? And that makes someone popular. Say, oh man, this, this, I, I know this person. They, man, they, they really are generous. They give a lot of, I mean, they're just all over the place. I mean, I'm really impressed with that. And they become popular. Other times, People who give a lot, others can become jealous of those people. And they see what they have and they say, I wish I had that. I wish I, wish, I, wish I had that much. I mean, if I had that much, as much as they had, I would give more. And they become jealous and so they kind of become targeted by those people. And still others, when we see what they're doing and maybe the way they're doing it or maybe the condition of our own heart, we become annoyed by them and we hate them. And we decide, we know why they're giving and we judge their motives and we decide and, and we decide that's a terrible person. They're arrogant or they're prideful. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't, I don't know. 
But what Jesus says is they've received their reward. They've received the reward of, of popularity. They've received the reward of jealousy in, in, in our kind of sick world. Some people want people to be jealous of them. And that's why they do what they do. Or they've received the reward of being hated. <laughs> Might be what they want, maybe not, but for a lot of people, any attention is good attention. And so Jesus says they've, they've received their reward. But, but here's, here's the thing, and here's what Jesus, the point that Jesus is making is this. Giving to be known will, will result in precisely that, being, being known, whether good or bad. But that's it. And here's the thing that we have to recognize. Anyone, anyone can give, but not everyone that gives will experience intimacy with God. Anyone can be generous. Anyone can give. But not everyone who gives will experience intimacy with God. So I uh, looked up the, the five most generous people in the world. And I know this to be true because I looked it up on Google and I saw it on some people's Facebook. So I know it's true. 100%. Take it to the bank. Top five generous people. Warren Buffett. Bill Gates, Melinda Gates, George Soros, Michael Bloomberg. Most generous givers in the world. Let me ask you this. And I don't know their condition of their souls or their heart. I can make some preliminary decisions on their behavior, what their words say about them. But let me ask you this. What have they received? What is their reward? Bill Gates is wildly popular with a lot of people. There's also a lot of people who are pretty jealous of Bill Gates. And frankly, there's a lot of people who hate Bill Gates. There's Bill Gates' reward. I don't know by any indication of Bill Gates' own words or the way he chooses to live his life or the philosophies that he proclaims to believe, it doesn't seem like his giving has resulted in intimacy with Jesus. And I don't know anybody who can give more than Bill Gates. So you see, anybody can give, but not anyone who gives will become intimate with Jesus. So Jesus goes on in verse three, and he says this, he says, but when you give, again, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees it in secret will reward you. It's interesting because in verse two, Jesus used language that talked about a communal context in the synagogue or in the streets. But then in verse three, he says, but when you give to the needy, again, when you give, he says, he talks about it more on, a, on an individual, on a personal, on a private moment. And, and so, and so what, what we see here is, is there is this gathered expectation of giving and a scattered expectation. And I want, I want you to kind of be familiar with these terms because we'll probably be using them a little bit to describe us as a people, and that's gathered and scattered God's people are called to be a gathered people. That's what we're doing today. We gather. And that's what you do in people's homes, in your, in your 
community of believers. We gather and we gather together and we're called to gather together. We know from scripture that we, we are called to gather. And Jesus says in this context, he says, when you, when you give, when you're gathered, here's what I expect. Then he says, when you're scattered, when you're out there and when you come across someone who's needy, don't let your left hand from right, and that's an individual and that's when we're scattered. Here's the thing. We are scattered far long, far, for far, far more longer amount of time than we are gathered. Most of our life is lived scattered. And that's not a bad thing. In fact, God calls us to gather, so we scatter, and we take his message and his hope and his joy to the world around us. When God's people only stay gathered and don't scatter, God has to kind of do something to make them scatter. And that's not great. <laughs> It's never enjoyable when God's people are too focused on being gathered and refuse to scatter because that's when God ordains things that we don't like and he makes us scatter to accomplish his purposes, the things that he's asked us to do. And so Jesus' assumption is that when you, that you give when you're gathered and you give when you're scattered, not just one or the other, and that giving is, is in, in, in this way is, a, is simple faithfulness. Not something only for a super disciple or, or, or the wealthy. And so what, what I see from what Jesus says here and what scripture gives us at large is that if you're not giving, you're not really being faithful. There's, you're deciding that I will be faithful in the things that I wanna be faithful in, but not the things, all the things that God calls me to be faithful in. And I get it because we can come up with really great reasons not to give, whether it's to an organization or other people. We can say, well, that person, I don't know that they'll use it in the right way, or, or I don't know if I trust this organization. I don't know if it'll be used the way I, I really feel strongly it should be used. Well, if giving is primarily to create intimacy between me and God, does not matter? I mean, we shouldn't be foolish. We should be wise and, and let the Holy Spirit lead us. But giving doesn't first and foremost just help someone it's what it does to me. It, causes, it brings me into a greater intimacy with Jesus. And, and so don't misunderstand and don't, don't, don't feel like I'm shaming anyone or saying like, you need to give more, or you need to do this or that. I'm just saying what the scripture says. And here's what we need to understand. No one needs to give like Bill Gates and, or Warren Buffett. When Jesus actually uses giving as an illustration in the moment in the temple, he, in the synagogue, he says to his disciples, they hear this guy throwing all of these coins, just like Jesus described, making all this racket and they hear all these coins and the disciples are impressed that this guy is giving so much to God. And then Jesus points to this widow and he says, look, she's putting a coin in. And he says, she gave all that she had. It was almost nothing because she had almost nothing, but she says she gave all that he had. And Jesus says, her, she's given more than that guy could have ever given. Here's what's interesting as I think about that passage though. How often have we heard that passage of the widow's might and we're kind of like, oh yeah, that's what I, I wanna be like her. You know, or I, I know that God's saying that I need to be more like her. I wonder if this was a test for the disciples that Jesus was giving them, not just about what the widow gave, but notice that he says in the text, he says, she gave all she had. So what does that mean for her? She has nothing left. 
She trusted God so much and was so intimate with God that she trusted that she could give everything she had. And I think the lesson for the disciples was when Jesus said, look at, look at this woman, she gave all she had, that should have caused the disciples to say, how can we help her? It's not just to be impressed with her, but it should instill action on the part of a Jesus follower to say, she just, wait, she gave all she had, what can I do to help her? That should be the knee-jerk reaction of believers when they see that, when they're aware of that. And, 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 so, and so Jesus says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And, and again, it's interesting how we, we look at that. We say, okay, so I can't let anybody know that I've given. Well, if that's your intention, is that you want people to know how much you've given and that you give and that you're generous, then yeah, that's not great. But Jesus here is using hyperbolic language or extreme exaggeration. Like, you can't not know what your left and right hand are doing. <laughs> but what's the point of what Jesus is saying? He's saying, humble and quiet. Humble and quiet does not mean that if anyone knows or finds out that then you're disqualified from giving. <laughs> That's not what it means. It doesn't mean that you, you, you can't tell anyone. You need to make sure no one knows. And if I say it, I, I lose my reward. I, I lose everything and, I, and, and it's all for naught. It's on the motivational level. Why do you give? It's interesting that just before Jesus makes this statement, he makes a statement in chapter 5, 16. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others. Let your light shine, be visible, so that they may see, they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What is the point of people seeing what you do that's good? It's so that they see your Father in heaven and give God glory, not you. And so really what Jesus is doing here, he's saying, what, are, what is the purpose of this? Is it to get glory or to give glory? What's the purpose? And you see, sometimes there will be moments where other people need to know that you've been generous or you've given because God needs them to know about that. But that's kind of the hard part and that's why we need to be intimate with Jesus because here's the deal. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you when you need to let a person or a group of people know that you're giving. Because sometimes people need to see your good works so that they can praise their Father in heaven. But we have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit to know that. Jesus then says, your father who is in secret will reward you. And we come back, keep coming back to this reward. What is this reward Jesus keeps talking about? I think it's, it's easy to, to go back to Malachi and, and remember what the prophet says in the Old Testament where he says in Malachi 3.10, he says, after talking about how the Israelites have been robbing God, and he says, he says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I think there's, because of the way we've been, we've bought into society and culture around us, we, we kind of have this maybe subconscious assumption that if we give, then God will give us more. And that's not entirely inaccurate. 
Sometimes when we're generous, God will bless us with abundantly more than we have, but not always. And that's not the reward of giving. The reward of giving, as we've seen so far, Jesus is using the reward of giving relationally, isn't he? He says, if you give to be seen by others, you've received your reward. What is that reward? It is the relationship with those others who've seen you. They're not giving you money. <laughs> They're either impressed by you, annoyed by you, or jealous of you. And so the reward is, is relational. It's not material. So when Jesus says your father who is in secret will reward you, what he's saying is that God gives you himself. He gives you a deeper and greater intimacy with him. That's the reward of giving. He may give you more, maybe not. But what I promise you he will give you when you give in this way is a deeper and more profound and intimate relationship with his son. The reward is intimacy with Jesus. I think it's interesting because secrets sometimes are bad, sometimes they're good. When you appropriately have a secret with someone, what does that do to your relationship? You feel deeply, more deeply connected, don't you? When you and one other person have something that only the two of you know, there is, there is a, 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 something that happens that, that you have a greater intimacy with them. I had the opportunity a while ago that God placed it on my heart and God apparently placed it on this person's heart and we were able to together give to someone and only we knew about it. And I'll tell you this, I don't necessarily know the person that I partnered with super well, but the fact that we had a secret and we were able to give generously, that not only brought me intimacy with Jesus, but intimacy with that person too. Because we joined with God and it was only the few of us knew about it. And I can tell you that my, my relationship with Jesus grew, my relationship with that person grew. And that's what, that's what Jesus is talking about. See, how does, how, does, how does this kind of giving, how does giving result in intimacy? Here's the thing that we need to understand. God is a giving God. That is his character. That is his nature. God is a God of generosity. And so we, in part, have to know him and can know him by generosity. God has given us his everlasting love. He's given us Jesus Christ. He's given us eternal life, righteousness. He's given us the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts. He's given us all an assignment for our mission. He's given us authority over the enemy. He's given us everything we own. So in order to know him and become more intimate with him, we then need to be givers, freely giving, Trusting that he will reward us with a deeper and more profound relationship with him. Giving isn't a fundraising thing. It's a relationship building thing with Jesus himself. God will reward those who give this way with a deeper, more profound intimacy with Jesus. And, and so today, as we've kind of tried to unpack the, the theology of giving, maybe some of you have been at a point where you kind of have seen giving as an obedience, a hard obedience, because it's hard to, you know, let go of this. 
Maybe some of you just don't give because you say, you know what, I, I don't trust. And maybe some of you have always lived this way and said, you know what, giving really is almost inconsequential with what it does. I know that I become more intimate with Jesus in giving. My prayer for you is that, that you and I see giving as what it really is. It's a pathway to intimacy with Christ. See, giving always receives a prize, either from men or from God, every time. The, the heart and hope in giving matters the greatest. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Giving is hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And what are we filled with? The fullness of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of God's relationship with us. Giving is expected of everyone who follows Jesus, first and foremost toward intimacy with him, secondly toward helping others. And here's what I think is spectacular about that. And I've not seen this before. Maybe I'm just dumb. <laughs> but giving, first being about intimacy with God, secondly about helping others, is exactly how Jesus described the first and second greatest commandments. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your soul, heart, strength, and mind. And he said, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Giving is loving God first and loving others second. Giving this way is fulfilling the greatest and the second greatest commands in the opinion of Jesus. I got a text from a friend between services and they said, I remember years ago, a friend of his told him about tithing, asking, what should I tithe? And uh, his friend said, well, what do you want God to bless, the gross or the net? And I've heard that before. But here's what I would say. What should I tithe on? Well, tithe on whatever you think will cause you to be more intimate with Jesus and do that. Because that's the reward. How much can I give to become that much more profoundly connected with Jesus? Remember my off-road clinic? Our world teaches us that giving is optional, discretionary, ours to give or not to give. That's the view from the truck. That's how we feel. That's our gut. That's the view from the truck. Jesus teaches us that giving draws us close and intimate with God and we are the extension of his gifts. That's the view of the spotter. That's Jesus' view. And he sees all of it. So the question is, who are you gonna trust? Are you gonna let Jesus be your spotter on this? Or do you have a better view from the truck? Next week, I'm gonna be talking a little bit about the practical side of this and the powers that lie to us to keep us from experiencing Jesus. So until then, I, I encourage you to continue to read the Beatitudes, continue to, to seek Jesus Kyle got me thinking last week as he was preaching when he quoted Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it on it day and night, so you may be careful to do all according to what is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. 
thought about that idea that the book of law shall not depart from your mouth. A lot of times we think about words, when they depart from our mouths, they're gone. We can't do anything about it. I thought maybe what, what God's saying to Joshua is keep those words of God inside. Don't let them go. Be like a gross chipmunk and just let them sit there and fester in your cheeks <laughs> till they just melt into you. <laughs> but don't let the word of God depart from your mouth this week. Let it change you, transform you. And prepare your heart for maybe a different perspective of, of money and giving than what you might have now. Maybe you had a bad theology of giving. Maybe I had a bad theology of giving. But giving is a pathway to intimacy with Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, we come before you and I thank you. I thank you for the things that I understand and the things that I have a hard time understanding from you. God, I pray that I would trust your view. And God, when, I've, when, I've, when I asked you for forgiveness and claimed that you are Lord and King and Savior of my life and asked you to be my spotter, I pray that, God, I would listen to everything you say. I pray that that would be our heart in this. God, I pray for those this morning who your spirit is working deep in, those who are recognizing and super encouraged by how you pursue them with intimacy. God, I pray for those who are maybe struggling because this is different than what they feel or their gut. God, I pray that you would move in a powerful way in all of us. First and foremost, so that we could be intimate with you and that we could help others. God, we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint.